0: The Fargo, Moorhead, West Fargo Chamber held their State of the Cities event where they get our mayors from Moorhead, Dilworth, Fargo and West Fargo come together and really talk about, hey, what's been happening in our great cities, our great metro over the last year. So we're going to have that conversation with a couple of the mayors tonight, the North Dakota side. So join us this evening, Fargo Mayor Tim Mahoney. As well as West Fargo, brand new mayor Bernie Dartis, gentlemen, great to have you with us. We really, really appreciate Thank you, Chris. it. I'm going to start with you, Bernie, since this is your first go around as mayor. Um, anything that now that you're mayor that you're looking at, going, wow, I had no idea I was going to be dealing with that. Uh,
1: no, not not particularly surprised like that. Uh, uh, lots of issues that we need to talk about the priorities of spending you know uh, when we're growing as fast as we have we've been uh, moving very quickly and now that uh, the numbers are uh, the you know the new development numbers are leveling off a little bit it gives us a little time to reflect on uh, you know what we have to do and what our absolute priorities are so i think one of the main things had been is to relook at you know our community improvement plan and determine um, you know, those things that have to have the top
0: priority. I want to get the answer from both. You want know, to we'll start with you on this one, Mayor. What, what keeps you, as you're looking at it, into the future of Fargo, what keeps you awake at night?
2: You know, I addressed this a little bit
0: yesterday, as we're
2: beginning to be a big metro community. We have urban center things going on. I think Bernie talked about a little bit yesterday when he talked to his police chief and his fire chief, what's going on in the community. And I think what we're uh, learning to do or struggling with is, is as you transition from what we would say is a smaller town to now the big town, And we're the biggest city in the state of North Dakota combined as a metro unit. We're the biggest area around and what that means to our people. And part of what we talked about yesterday is how do we compete with other places our size to attract people to come to work for us, to attract people to live in our communities. And uh, now that I have the same kind of water, it's really competitive between Bernie and I (laughs) who comes into our real estate area. But no,
0: but it's uh, all of us do well if people move in the community. We do but i think there is a balance and and you brought this up and i'll get to that a minute because you know we keep hearing about i say ad nauseum, this this workforce issue but then you bring up the point about talking to your police and fire chief about the challenges from a safety and security standpoint you mentioned i think at the event yesterday that five stabbings in one week in this community i mean that i think you said you've been here 40 years that that is unprecedented
1: it is you know and and uh, the the point that tim just made is many times elected officials you know we're we're confronted often about uh property taxes and and school taxes and special assessments and things like that and we have a tendency to focus on the financial elements because that that part of the public is, that's what they're bringing forward to us. And so obviously we want to be responsive and we want to be um, you know, looking at those types of issues for the, for the taxpayers. But the reality of it is, is that as we mentioned yesterday, both of us did in our, in our talk at the chamber, is that there is so much other things that we need to deal with. We're dealing with the opioid crisis, we're dealing with homelessness, we're dealing with the mental health issues. Uh, you know, there were people yesterday that when they did the polling, the chamber did the polling, that mental health rose to number two over above the diversion and permanent flood protection. That didn't surprise me at all because recently, not not in the least, and that's why I, I had included it in part of my address to the uh, chamber, was that uh, I have been hearing so much more and I get weekly reports both the fire chief and the police department where uh, Chief Yankee and, and Chief Fuller, and they're sharing some of the things, the number of uh, calls that uh, uh, our first responders are dealing with. And it is just absolutely amazing that, you know, having lived in the community for 42 years, that they're dealing with this on a daily absolutely basis. Absolutely agree. Absolutely I mean, that, that daily was basis.
0: Unheard of, grown but I think the other piece of that is sort of the ancillary Uh, thing that happens is that because these people are so addicted to this drug now they're going out and and robbing garages and doing kind of things to try to pawn to get money. So I guess that's where I want to start at because so much of our audience is worried about safety and security first. We'll get to the financial piece in a moment but as mayors and we'll start with you again mayor what what do you intend to do to ensure people that five stabbings that's a lot. How, How do you make Fargo a safer city?
2: Well, as elements said, go into that and one is do you have enough police force and that's what we've been working on every year we've been adding police force and I think Bernie has the same response in his community and then you do a uh, community policemen, which you get into the community get to know the neighborhoods know what's going on and then intelligent policing so a lot of stuff is we know some people who are going to commit crimes we know what's going on in that element there's a little balance act we get into here now is that you jail them and put them in jail for a while or do you put them in jail early release and they come back and do the same thing? So we're having a little bit of a debate in the community is that how do we best handle that? So one of the things, if you're a drug issue, a drug rehab, we better get them in rehab or get them to some kind of treatment or they're going to come back and do a crime again because they've got a beast in them that they want to have more drugs and get some more drugs into. And if you look at a lot of the robberies, a lot of times it's somebody looking for money mm-hmm. to satisfy their addiction. And what bernie and i both talk about it we also have the problem with some people that have <coughs> mental illness as well as addiction problems and that becomes more of a problem in our homeless population because you're trying to get everybody to sleep at night or in a, in a facility somewhere where they can be taken care of you have some people that have some really difficult problems that probably should be in a different area
0: so i think one of the good things is we had uh, josh Beauchamp on in december he's the new minority leader in the north Dakota house he said chris number one issue for us is behavioral health then we had senator rich wardner on He said, hey, Chris, number one issue for the state is behavioral health. So how do you guys, you know, because he talked to Cass County former sheriff Paul Laney. He says, Chris, incarceration is not rehabilitation. We are going about this all wrong. How do you see our cities working with the state, if you see it this way, to move people into a more rehabilitation type of program situation so we're not just incarcerating but actually continue to develop, you know, productive citizens?
1: It's going to be a challenge. Obviously, uh, all of those types of things take money, you know, and so uh, again, it's going to be uh, prioritizing as to how those resources are going to best be spent. Obviously, uh, you know, gentlemen like Mr. Uh, Mayor Mahoney and myself, we have to spend time at the legislature. We have to be able to communicate. Uh, you know, what our law enforcement people, what our first responders, our fire department, uh, what the, you know, the Cass County Sheriff's Department is dealing with. And, you know, there's there's been a lot more movement probably this pre-session on talking about the mental health issues because law enforcement for two, three years yeah. now have been saying we can't incarcerate our way out of this, you know, that the, that the jail. So, you know, so, you know, everything from what's on the North Dakota Century Code with regard to, you know, the you know, criminal com- uh, uh, charges and all those types of things. So it's a very broad spectrum and it's going to take a lot of folks, a lot of different uh, political subdivisions to work mm. on this together because uh, um, I don't have the answers. And, and, and uh, you know, we, as we talk about our police force, uh, we finally, uh, on December, swore in two more officers. We've been trying to fill those positions and like we talk about the workforce problem, even the applicants that we're sometimes getting for uh, law enforcement, and I'm sure that Chief Todd has talked to the Mayor uh, Mahoney about that too, is that you know, you'll know get 40 applicants and you'll narrow it to four, and then from that four, there's, you know, in this in our case, in December, there were two that were sworn in. So we're one officer away from having a pl- full force, which uh, we're a lot better off than some
0: departments. Let me ask you this, because um, one of the things that you hear, like Massachusetts, for example, because there's not really unfortunately right now across the country a model on how to deal with this opioid situation. One guy in Massachusetts, and hey... If you're addicted and you bring me your drugs and your needles, I'm not gonna incarcerate you. I'm gonna take that and I'll go take you to a rehab. I mean, is that a viable option, do you think? Or? I don't think there's anything that should be off the table.
1: Okay. You know, yesterday, Mayor Dr. Mahoney made a comment about the opioids and how physicians, you know, how there's yeah. been, they've been going to the physicians and to the medical care facilities and, and asking them people to be more careful on how they deal with pain management. And, you know, I think that's a big part of it. Access, obviously.
2: But, uh, you know, with the program that we worked with the physicians, both uh, major systems, Sanford and Sanchez have done this, is we're writing 50 percent less opioids. So we sit down and talk to a patient and say, Chris, you had surgery. Now, after surgery, how much pain medication would you like? Standard used to be 30. You got 30 no matter what you had done. And then if you weren't controlled on Friday night, you'd call me and say, Tim, I lost it in the toilet. I want 30 more. So it was not uncommon for people to get a lot of pain medication. Wow. Now we have uh, guidelines. So all physicians have guidelines and say, on average, this is the usual amount. And then you have that tough conversation. You say, you're going to get 15. When you're done with the 15, Motrin or Tylenol works. If you're something worse than that and you're not controlling your pain, come back and see me and we'll reevaluate. But we're, we're working very hard to reeducate. So first part is prevention is to, don't give them too much so they do get addicted. Second part is we've had drug do- drop-offs uh one young lady talked to us and she said where she got her opioids is she'd go to somebody's house can i use your bathroom she'd walk yep. in the bathroom pop out the drugs she needed So it's an education, so we educate the people. The F5 program is a pretty good program if you look at that. People with felons are living in an environment in which people are checking on them every day, working with them every day. And it's almost like chronic disease. If you keep working with people every day, then you can control it much better. And so I think Bernie and I, whatever new programs come
0: out there, we'll solidly support them and very happy to do. The number one issue, and it seems like it's been this way every year for a long time now at these chamber events, is the workforce recruitment challenge. I know the chamber came out with a study few years ago they said hey look bottom line is you look at engineers in different um, areas right now in our community we're just simply not paying enough i don't know if wages have gone up a lot here or not but you're a businessman <laughs> what can we do to solve this workforce recruitment issue
1: well i think that we have to provide more opportunity you know there's been a lot of discussion about a career academy in cass county and uh, i think that that's uh that's one of the things you know uh i i've had been on task force on the workforce since it's, its inception in Cass County, and we've we've sat down and we've visited with school boards, we've visited with the superintendents and and those types of things, and it's to uh, you know and to educate the counselors that there are good jobs out there, and so. You know, it's a it's a process because you know uh, I'm in an environment of the '60s and '70s as Tim is, and our parents wouldn't have dreamt of not allowing us to to go to college. I mean, that was just a foregone conclusion. My folks don't have didn't have a college education, but there was no discussion as to whether, in fact, you're going to go. There's other avenues, and and I think that you know there has to be some open communication with the parents. With school boards and all of those involved, that there are alternatives and there are good wages that can be made without the high expense of a college education uh incurring that expense.
0: And I think four to ten years down the road that might be a viable option. But the issue is right now, we've got thirty thousand open jobs yesterday. So that that's my question is what can we be doing to maybe do a better job of recruiting to be fair to us or to be honest, it, it's hard to recruit to sub-zero
2: temperatures. So well, what do we do? A couple of things we talked about yesterday is maybe getting some internships for younger kids, going 16, 17, 18, get them into some type of work, one, whatever that work might be. But let them have a taste of it so they understand what it might be. We're able to recruit or retain 79% of the NDSU graduates. But if they're out of state, we only recruit 38%. You're leaving about 60% of those people off, off the table that could be kept in this community. In City of Fargo, we're going to look up internships, have people work in an engineering department, work, have work like public works. What does that
0: tell you that the out-of-state people are leaving?
2: Well, we they even have, haven't found the jobs that are here, or we haven't recruited hard enough to get them in those positions. There's two things Bernie and I talked about. If you do workforce analysis, there's some jobs that people just aren't training to do, sure. and we have huge amount of in the trades. We have huge amount of people can go in the trades and do very well and get a fair wage, but they're just not interested. They haven't been exposed to it, <laughs> uh, and you have to do wage is what you talked about and what their interests are, and let's try to get the kids so they're exposed to it. I mean, I remember somebody wanted to be a physician one time, came in the room and fainted every time a patient came. Right.
0: In. <laughs> it, it wasn't going to work. So, I mean, you got to get over that. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. I was, I was going to be a doc, and I wanted to go see an eye doc one time, and he shoved this needle, and I was like, whew, I got all queasy. Like, this, is, this is not for me. Last question, sir. Um, does Minnesota fund the diversion? Yes. You think so? They're going to pony up the 86. Have you talked to Governor Walls about that?
2: We haven't talked to Governor Walz, but Governor Burgum is reaching out and talking to him. So the commitment Minnesota made is what our costs will pay. So they've doubled their commitment. They were at forty-three million; they're up to eighty-six million. And Bernie was on the task force. We're Wait, I mean, work- they've,
0: they've committed that line item to you, and they have committed that. Now, so my other question then: Do you think the state is willing to pony up now? Because now we don't have Al Carlson. Whether you like the guy or not, he's he's not a Fargo sort of caveat leader out there. Do we? Do we get the legislature to pony up another 370 for this? Or 300, I
1: should say. That story's untold right now, but we're working very hard on
0: it. <laughs> well said, Mayor. Chris, we have Bernie Dardis. We're in our way. <laughs> to both of you, thank you for the time. We appreciate it. Thanks for what you're doing for our community. Thank you for the opportunity you're to be, be with you. Uh,